Hello and welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to my counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. I am your host, Brian Fletter. You can follow this podcast on its Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Instagram at counter underscore thought, and on Twitter at counter underscore podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Counterthought. In this episode, we're going to talk about the remorseful decision of choosing Joe Biden to be president of the United States and how so many of you chose poorly. Yes, I'm talking to you who voted for Trump in 2016 and then got your feelings hurt or didn't like a personality trait of Trump instead of focusing on the issues of his presidency and instead voting for him in 2020, you chose to vote for President Biden. It's September 9th, so the start of autumn is almost here. It's quickly approaching and may have started for some of you already, my wife included. Once September 1st hits, fall decorations go up in the house. It's that simple. There's there's no talking her out of it. I've tried. It's it's a waste of my time to to try anymore after after so many years. But this also means that we are eight months into the Biden presidency. One sixth of the way through what has turned out to be a disastrous presidency. And again, it's only eight months. We're still within the first year. No telling what could what else could go wrong, what other bad decisions he could make, bad judgments. But then on the other hand, if he goes this low in year one, you could say the only way he can go is up after that, but I wouldn't put it past him. Anyway, I'm jumping on here for another a second episode this week because I'm fired up. I'm going to try to sound fired up uh, and also kind of stay cool and calm at the same time because I don't want to just be another opinion guy, talking head, who who's sounding like he's blowing a gasket every time he speaks. But I'll tell you what, over the past couple weeks and then today with Biden's recent announcement regarding the vaccine mandates, I couldn't stay quiet any longer. Like I just said, it's been a disastrous eight months for President Biden. And I don't say disastrous because I didn't vote for him. I say disastrous because that's what the Biden presidency has been. So far, it has been the opposite of what he promised he would do during the campaign. Don't you remember? You can consider me Uncle Joe. You can trust me. I'll restore America on the international stage, on the world stage. You will be able to have diplomacy. We will rule through diplomacy across the world. I will rid our country of COVID-19. We will escape this pandemic. We will be transparent. We will not attack the media. We will be transparent in everything that we say. We will not hide things from you. For those of you that flip-flopped in 2020, does all that sound familiar? It should, because you fell for it. I don't know what you were doing or what you were listening to or who you were listening to, but you should have seen this coming. All those promises he made in the 2020 election cycle was just blowing smoke. Blowing smoke. And just the right amount of people switched their votes or believed, maybe didn't even vote in 2016, but voted in 2020, and you voted for the wrong guy. 80 million people voted for Joe Biden but he is letting down 330 million. So to start, he promised transparency, right? Everyone 
got on to Trump about how he attacked the press. Fake news, right? Hashtag fake news. That that started under Trump and ran with it for the whole four years of his term. Oh, you can't attack the media like that. You can't attack the media like that, you fascist. Yeah, you're a fascist, man. You don't you don't you don't care about the First Amendment and the freedom of the press. He did more, Trump did more press conferences and on the tarmac discussions before getting on Air Force One or Marine One. Then Joe Biden, he did more in his first six months than Joe Biden could do in his four upcoming four years. And what happens now when Biden speaks? Uh, I'm going to talk. And then at the end, what does he say? They've told me not to take any questions. Turns around and walks away. We saw that happen, I think, four different times over the past two, three weeks. Or if he does take questions, he'll roll out a list, look down at his little sheet or pull out a note card. All right, they've said I could take a couple of questions and let me look down. Who can I call on? Okay. So-and-so reporter from ABC. So-and-so reporter from NPR. So-and-so reporter from NBC. He has a pre-approved list. Pre-approved list. And why won't he take questions? Or why does he have to have a pre-approved list? Because his administration knows they can't trust him to answer these questions without getting himself into a bigger hole. They don't trust him in front of the microphone. He has a hard enough time reading off the teleprompter. How's he going to be able to do it off the cuff? But... Who is they that he refers to? Which handlers of his, which advisors of his are instructing him not to take questions? And when he does take questions, who's instructing him on whose questions to take? There was already something going on earlier this year with uh, Jen Psaki, the press secretary, admitting that they pre-screened questions for the daily press briefings. They pre-screened them. That doesn't sound like freedom of the press. It sounds like you're picking and choosing what you want to talk about. Not just calling on somebody. You know what's coming. Like they say, that's a softball question. And walking away from the podium when making announcements about the pandemic or about your economic plan or about, most recently, Afghanistan. Why won't you take those questions? Are you ashamed of what you're doing? Do you even know what you're doing? Are you even knowledgeable about what you are saying to be able to speak about it? Are you going to say the quiet part out loud? What's going to happen? Why are you afraid to take questions? You're the president of the United States. Stand up there and take the questions. Most likely, it's because the administration doesn't want you to see their true agenda. And they don't trust him to be able to talk his way through a hard-hitting question. Or for, at the very least, multiple questions. They don't even have to be hard-hitting. They don't want him stepping on the toes of the agenda of the administration. And the advisors and cabinet members and his press secretary don't want to have to go out day after day after he delivers some sort of speech or remarks and try to clean up the mess. But they promise transparency. 
Just waiting to see it. And then there are also gas prices. You know, let's let's get into where it hits us the most. Our wallets. They say people vote with their with their wallets. Well, have you noticed when you've gone to the pump over the past seven to eight months that the gas prices continue to go up? And why is that? Well, the first thing President Biden did in office was get rid of the executive order from President Trump and stop the Keystone Pipeline. And with that executive order, say that there was going to be no more um, additional drilling or fracking on federal-owned land. We were finally energy independent. We didn't need to rely on OPEC for oil and gas. We were able to provide for ourselves, and we were actually exporting energy to other countries. So why would he do that? Just because Trump, just because it had Trump's name on it? I mean, that's foolish. You're hurting the American people, the people you're supposed to protect, which we'll circle back here, circle back to here in a little bit. But what has happened to these gas prices? Not only did the Keystone Pipeline cut thousands of jobs, great job, but it also took away our energy independence because they're focused on this green mentality and reducing carbon emissions and so on and so forth. Going electric and wind instead of oil and gas. But those gas prices... Guess how much they've gone up? They've increased 33% in his eight months. And that's going from the day he was inaugurated to this week, 33%. When he was sworn into office, the national average gas price was $2.46. Now, it's $3.27. That is an 81 cent increase in these eight months, 81 cents, let's say you're putting in 10 gallons of gas, 15 gallons of gas. National average, you're talking about eight extra dollars for 10 gallons, 12 extra dollars for 15 gallons. I know I don't enjoy that. My uh, midsize SUV has about a 15 gallon tank and to fill it up, I'm putting in like $45 every time. And I'm in Florida, which is probably one of the cheaper gas states. Can't imagine being in California where I think it's about $5 a gallon because they charge you additional 71 cents or so in taxes per gallon of gas. And to put a cherry on top for the energy independence we once had, Biden stops our Keystone pipeline, but green lights... The Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which goes from Russia to Germany, by waiving sanctions on a Russian company that oversaw or oversees the pipeline. So he stops our pipeline and greenlights an adversary's pipeline going to one of our allies. That's not in our national interest, our best interest. Now one of our allies is dependent upon an adversary for energy. Not only that, but it affects the Ukraine, which is an ally, and is already in battles with Russia and had Crimea 
taken from them by Russia during the Obama administration. So whose side is Biden on? Is he on our side? He's hurting our wallets. He's hurting the jobs. Every time we go put gas in our car, higher prices. But yet he greenlights by removing sanctions so Russia can now provide oil directly to Germany? Who's advising this guy? And what are their real interests? Sticking on the dollar front, gas prices to the economy. So look at the big picture. Biden likes, and as I mentioned this actually, I think in uh, one of my earlier episodes, well, I know in one of my earlier episodes, but one of the things you can always count on when it comes to political narratives is the is the political narrative from the president and their administration of the economy. If the economy is going great, they're going to spin it to make it sound like they did, like it's all because of them. And if the economy is not doing great, they're going to say it's because of the previous administration. And so what is Biden doing now? Well, the economy is not that great, but he's trying to spin it like it is. But what he is doing, because we're coming out of a, quote, recession, which we forced upon ourselves by shutting down. So like a self-imposed recession. But Biden comes out touting he did this today or yesterday. Yeah, we're seeing unprecedented. No, it was today, actually, with the vaccine mandate. We have seen the best economic growth and resurgence in jobs and low unemployment in the past 40 years. This, that, and the other thing. Well, great job, Mr. President. Great job, Joe. All you had to do was get out of the way. We shut the economy down. We can open it back up. Get past some of the supply chain problems. Let people get back to work. Ah, but it's not that easy. See, we had to shut down the economy. And you would think we'd just be able to open it back up. But no, no. Shut down the economy. We started making payments to people to get them through some of, the other, some of their unemployment. And then once you get used to that money just going into your bank account, $300, $600 per person, $300, $600 per child, that starts to feel good. And then you get used to that. And you don't want it to go away. And that's how it's going to, their hope is, to evolve into a universal basic income, UBI. Ooh, yeah, and you know, a $1,500 check per month sounds great. I just wake up in the morning and there it is. And if I get a job, add that to the $1,500 free per month. You know, this is looking pretty good, my my 50, 60,000 year job is now a 60, 75,000 year job. 80,000 year job. $18,000 just getting added to my bank account per year. Awesome. So once you get a little taste of that, a little taste of that honey, you don't want it to go. But the economy isn't doing that great. Biden likes to make it seem like it is, make it seem like he's the best thing since sliced bread. But all he literally had to do was get out of the way, but he hasn't been able to do it because he wants the power. 
He wants to continue to write more checks for everyday Ameri- for us Americans. Even though we don't need it, we just want to get back to work. His job projections, job reports have missed multiple times. The most recent coming in August. Projections were around 700,000. The absolute lowest was around 250,000. And the final number that came in was 230,000. We are also 5.3 million jobs short of the number of jobs that we had in February of 2020 before the shutdown began in March of 2020. So where's that economic recovery, President Biden? You still have 5.3 million jobs to create. President Trump was president for nine, close to 10 months for the pandemic. You've been president for eight months. Where are those 5.3 million jobs going to come from? Are you going to lift the restrictions that you have? Are you going to stop paying people this pseudo universal basic income? Get people back to work? Because a lot of people say that one reason they're not working is because they are getting more money now by staying at home than they were before they were working. Which in a sense is sad for people who are getting paid that little. But if you don't have an incentive to go get a job, and numerous employers have said this, especially small businesses, you see now hiring all over the place. And signing bonuses that would not have normally been attached to job job requisites, job openings. People are desperate for people to work for them But those individuals just want to stay home because they're getting paid more not to. So what's the real incentive here? What's the real goal? 1.9 million in spending was already approved by Biden when he uh, first came into office. And now he wants another 3.5 trillion to go. Infrastructure has already, already been a debacle. I mean, you can't trust Congress to do anything for that matter. But some true infrastructure would be great. But infrastructure with all this extra fluff or pork, as they say, tied in? Nope. That's not going anywhere. So the alternative now is to try to get it through on a budget reconciliation. But who knows if that will pass? Because there are senators, Manchin and Cinema, who said they're not for $3.5 trillion. We've already spent, I believe it's around 5 or $6 trillion because of the pandemic. Additional money. To revive the economy and keep ourselves afloat. Quote unquote. So, why do we need another 3.5? And all of this spending is leading to inflation. Did you know that the current inflation rate in 2021 is 5.4%? The inflation rate when Biden was sworn in was less than 2%. 5.4% is double the highest rate of inflation in the last eight years. Eight years, going back to the Obama administration. Obama and Trump did not have inflation hit nearly this high. Didn't even get above 2.5%. Under Biden, we're at 5.4, which again is double the highest rate in the last eight years. It's that 1.9 million stimulus bill, and then the money that was passed under Trump to keep the economy afloat during the height of the pandemic in 2020. We're already at 5.4% inflation and now Biden wants to pass another 3.5 trillion. 
he might be able to get one 1.5 trillion, but he's being told behind closed doors that 3.5 is not happening. And inflation isn't good. You want to know why? For those of you who may not be familiar with how this works, as prices inflate, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, as prices go up, your dollar doesn't go as far. So what you could buy with maybe a $20 bill in January of 2020, you can't buy the same amount of stuff right now. Your dollar doesn't go as far. Your $20 worth of stuff, $22 worth of stuff, you know, the higher the inflation, the shorter your money stretches. So 5.4%, all of our money is worth less. So even if you have a job now, which hopefully you do, it is still not worth the same as it was one year, one year ago. Thanks to inflation and not to mention the rising gas prices as well. But, you know, good old Joe, Uncle Joe, you can trust me. Everything's going to be okay. Doesn't look like it's going to be okay. It hasn't been okay so far. This is just on the domestic front, all related to the economy. But what's, what's been the biggest topic in the news for the last year and a half? COVID-19. And how is President Biden doing with that? Well, let's see. When Biden took over, he said today only 2 million people were vaccinated. Okay, great. The vaccines, I think, got approved in mid-December of 2020. So not a big shocker there. He says that the that there was not enough supply yet ordered for all Americans to be vaccinated. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Um, if it is, I'm sure it's just a, a technical deal because you don't need to buy... 300 million vaccinations or whatever at one time. You can buy them incrementally. But that's what he likes to throw out there. He, you know, he supplied America with, with the exact number of vaccines that were going to be needed for everyone to be vaccinated. So get vaccinated. But if you remember back in his campaign of 2020, he said he knew exactly what to do. Always undermining Trump. You know, if Trump told me to take the vaccine, I wouldn't do it. It would have to come from a medical professional. Someone within the bureaucracy of Washington, the NIH, the CDC, the FDA would have to tell me, and then I would do it. But you can trust me, I know exactly what to do. I'll defeat this pandemic over and over and over. Well, as many times over as Biden came out of his hiding place in Delaware from his basement. He assured us that he was going to be the one to conquer COVID. Do you remember that? I bet you do. But where are we now? Well, under Biden, many have said they've lost trust in the CDC. But why would you lose trust in the CDC? Hmm. Well, there have been confirmed reports and emails that show that the CDC twice now has been influenced by teachers unions, once by AFT, the second largest union, and again by NEA, the largest teachers union. They influenced the CDC to change their recommendations for masking and caused the CDC to flip-flop so now people don't trust the CDC in, in what to believe. 
at least people asking, okay, how could three weeks ago you say we don't need masks and then three weeks later you say we do need masks? How can you say we need masks indoors but not outdoors, but now we need masks in both places? How can there be no studies that show children in masks and decrease the spread of the virus, but then you come out and say that every child K-5 through 12, 12th grade, needs to be masked? Well, teachers' unions got in the way of the CDC, turned the screws on them, just like they did with the Biden administration at the White House and not just at the CDC. Under Biden, they also missed their July 4th deadline. Something about Biden and deadlines. He wants he wants to have the photo op. The goal was to have 70% of Americans, adult Americans, with at least one shot in the arm by July 4th. Well, they missed that deadline. It took them a month longer, so early August, to finally get that number. But he couldn't motivate people to get there. And then, like I said, you have Fauci flip-flopping, you have the CDC flip-flopping and changing guidance and not being truthful about what exactly was going on and why these changes were made. Not going back to true science or other studies that are showing differently for different requirements and mandates. So people become hesitant. They're like, well, what's the data really showing? Can I really trust them? Should I really trust this vaccine? Maybe I'll wait for the FDA to approve it. I believe 30% of Americans said that were unvaccinated said that they were waiting for the FDA approval. But the Biden administration got impatient. They got really impatient, which we'll uh, get into here in a minute. Everyone got on to Trump in 2020 during the height of the pandemic about the number of people that were dying. You have blood on your hands, Mr. President. You have blood on your hands. 200,000 people have died under your watch. 300,000 people have died under your watch. Under Biden, over 200,000 people have died under his watch in eight months. Oh, I bet you didn't know that, did you? You won't hear that on ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN. No, you won't. But where are the pitchforks for Biden now? Based on the precedent they set in 2020, they should be coming after him for the 200,000 plus that have died on his watch. But you don't hear anything about that. Instead, what you hear is that the unvaccinated are evil people. That the unvaccinated want others to die. That's what you hear from the farthest part of the left, for sure. And that mentality is creeping more and more closer to the center left as well, the moderate left. They don't understand how you can not want the vaccine. And because they can't understand that, they think that you have evil intentions. And that you're selfish. And don't, you don't care about others, children or grandparents. But today, today, Biden went next level. And not next level in a good sense. No. Biden didn't go next level and suddenly become awesome or the, the COVID killer like he was going to be. You know, put the pandemic in its place. Restore us back to normalcy like he promised in his, in his um, campaign in 2020. No, no. Biden went next level to become a tyrant. Biden became a tyrant today. Did you see it? Five o'clock? 
5 o'clock on Thursday, September 9th, 2021. Biden stood at that podium with the presidential seal, said his patience has grown thin. That he is tired of waiting for these unvaccinated individuals to become vaccinated, which is about 80 million people. Saying you have the tools and the resources to get vaccinated. Just go get vaccinated, as he likes to do. So what is he doing? As I said on previous episodes regarding COVID, he and his administration are going to use the power of the federal government to squeeze as hard as they can to get you to submit and get vaccinated. Because what Biden did today is he made the choice clear. You either get vaccinated or you lose your job. If you work for a company that has 100 100 or more employees, you have to get vaccinated or lose your job. He's putting the screws to you and to these private companies. He's telling the companies, hey, you need to require your employees, if you have 100 or more, you need to require them to be vaccinated in order for them to be employed. And if you don't, we're going to hit you with a $14,000 fine per occurrence, per person. So what if you had 100 employees and 20 of them didn't want to be vaccinated? That's 80%. That's like where we are for total number of Americans vaccinated. That's a $280,000 fine for that business. You think they're going to want that? Nope. So what's the business going to do? They're going to fire you. Or if they don't fire you, they're going to pass the bill on to you. So then you're liable for the $14,000 fine. And you're not going to want to pay a $14,000 fine. So what are you going to do? You're either going to allow yourself to be fired, hopefully get a severance. Or you're going to submit and you're going to be compliant and go get your shot. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound like personal freedom? You know, we'll take your livelihood away or you can get a jab in the arm. Yeah, sure. Yes, there's there's limited longitudinal data that shows the, the side effects of this vaccine. Sure, sure. Johnson & Johnson basically does nothing to the Delta variant. It's the weakest of the three. And sure, Pfizer and Moderna, they have some weaknesses, breakthrough cases with the Delta variant. And sure, there's another variant out there, you know, we're going to require boosters and, and everything else, but trust us. The only way to get through this pandemic is through the vaccine. And if you don't get the vaccine, then you don't deserve to have a job. Doesn't that sound fun? Now there's going to be lawsuits up the wazoo, but this this just fits the playbook of the Democrat Party. We're going to do what we want whether it is legal or not, and we will not stop until the courts intervene. So we'll see how this all plays out. I've already seen things on Twitter, Instagram, where employers are like, well, if I have 100 employees, I guess I just now have a 99. Because then this this doesn't apply to you. There's your first loophole. Oh, I'm just going to eliminate a job. Oh, well, well, that looks great for the economy, doesn't it? Job loss. Hmm. Really putting all the eggs into one basket, aren't you? 
ah, the economy, yes, we need the economy to roar back. But what if people revolt and companies revolt? Then we have higher job loss numbers. Shoot, well, we're going to strong arm it and make it to where it's too expensive for the employers to revolt. And they'll just find new employees to work, right? That's how simple it is. That's what they told the Keystone Pipeline employees. Hey, and coal miners, hey, we don't need you to mine for coal anymore. No, no, no. You just take those skills and you can go work on solar panels. Not like there's a learning curve or anything like that and that the jobs are just waiting there for you, a one-to-one exchange. Someone will be there to pick up the slack. No worries. Or go next step. Maybe they want people to be unemployed so they can pass more spending. Get more people having to hold the hand of the government to walk them through life. Everything's going to be okay, says the big bad government. You can trust me. Here's your money. Here's your universal basic income. Don't worry. We got this. You don't ever have to work. You just wake up. And here's some more money. You're fine. You're good. You're golden. But Biden took a direct shot at personal freedom today. He became a tyrant. He said his patience grew thin. He said that there are certain governors that are keeping these unvaccinated levels high. Well, last time I checked, there is no governor that's saying don't get vaccinated. The governors are taking a stand saying we're not going to mandate vaccination. We're not going to mandate mask wearing. We have therapeutics and other methods if you do get COVID. But we're not going to tell you that you have to put a vaccine in your arm. We're going to leave it up to you. So Biden is now in a fight. He's picked a fight with 80 million people. And I'm interested to see how this plays out. Are these 80 million people going to protest? Are they just going to protest online, which would be pretty weak? Are they actually going to get out there and march? Because if it's any kind of precedent back in 2020, if you're on the left, belong to the Democrat Party and you're protesting, doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to be vaccinated. You're protesting. And whatever you're protesting for, you are exempt from the COVID requirements. So maybe these 80 million people should just go out and protest and and really stick it to the Biden administration and be like, hey, look at all of us unvaccinated people together. Woohoo. Making a big COVID Petri dish. Someone come come hug me, kiss me. I'm going to breathe on you. The left would freak out. But people should protest. But the question is, who do they protest against? Do they protest against the Biden administration? Do they protest outside their office if their employer wants to abide by these new laws or requirements that the the Department of Labor is going to put out? Is this even constitutional? Well, who cares? Right? Just do what you're going to do and then wait for the courts to figure it out. That is the playbook. Doesn't matter. We're going to do this. There'll be lawsuits and we'll wait on a judge to tell us no. That was the same game plan for the Remain in Mexico policy, MPP, which the Supreme Court finally said couldn't be done. So now DHS is having to send people back to Mexico to wait for all their processing and everything before they can come into the country, illegal immigrants. 
But Biden today became a tyrant. And no, that is not too strong of a word. What he said, there's a six-prong approach. And some of these requirements include that. So what's actually in this tyrannical thing that Biden said today for vaccine mandates said that all employers with more than 100 employees will be forced to either require their employees to get vaccinated against COVID-19 or mandate weekly testing for the virus. That's about 80 to 100 million people. Biden also announced that the remaining 17 million healthcare workers employed in facilities that receive federal Medicare or Medicaid, which I mentioned this in, I think, episode 11 or 12, Anywhere the federal government money goes, they're going to squeeze as hard as they can. But Biden is mandating that the remaining 17 million healthcare workers that receive work in facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid dollars will have to be fully vaccinated. So together, those groups combined are around 100 million people. In July, if you remember, Biden and his press secretary said that vaccine mandates weren't the role of the federal government. That was a bold-faced lie. A bold-faced lie. But that's what you expect from politicians, I guess, right? Like, (laughs) oh, it's just, you know, being a politician, you know, just saying things that people wanted to hear, just like I did all through 2020 with my uh, campaign. Enough people fell for it then, so they fall for it now. But on the lie front, let's continue. What else has Biden lied about in his first eight months? Afghanistan. Afghanistan. I hit on this last time, or two episodes ago. Two of the last three episodes. Afghanistan is a Biden disaster. The worst part of his first eight months. Barely beating out COVID, but this one takes the cake. Just to recap, first off, Biden set the arbitrary 831 deadline to be out of Afghanistan. Why? Because that's 11 days before September 11th, which is two days before the recording of this podcast. Biden wanted to be able to stand up there and say, hey, I ended America's longest war, a 20-year war. Stop being a 20-year war about five years ago and became just like a counterterrorism. But in the process, what happened? What was the fallout? Well, first, Biden and his generals and intelligence agencies, whoever was at fault, ultimately with Biden, the buck stops with me. But remember, he also blamed the Afghan government, the Afghan military, President Trump, but the buck stops with him. He pulled out the troops from our best air base before removing the American citizens and the Afghan civilians who have SIV, special immigrant visas, who helped us out during the war. Removed the air support from the Afghan military and the Afghan military crumbled to the Taliban. Was on vacation along with his secretary of state who was also on vacation and his press secretary who was on vacation when the Taliban took over Afghanistan. 
had to come scrambling back to Washington on a Sunday or a Monday to finally address all of this because the American people were like watching the news hour by hour, watching more and more of Afghanistan getting taken. Like, uh, what in the world is going on? Where's our president? Probably asleep. The Secretary of State, Blinken, he was in the Hamptons. But we ended up also leaving behind $80 billion. We had a mad scramble for 10 to 14 days to get the the Americans out. For the first few days, we couldn't commit, or Biden, I shouldn't say we, Biden, Biden and his administration couldn't commit to getting all the Americans out by 831. Finally, he had to be led there by George Stephanopoulos in an interview with ABC, saying, yeah, we'll get everybody out by 831. Well, the 831 deadline came. Everything was packed up. No more troops in Afghanistan. And reports are that there are anywhere from 500 to 1,000 Americans still left behind. Well, the Biden administration said that they must not want to leave and we can't give a full count or an accurate count because people aren't required to register with the embassy whenever whenever they go to Afghanistan. Well, what we do in that mad rushed pullout? We close down the embassy. We had to rush people out of the embassy because the Taliban were advancing so quickly. And not only did we leave Americans behind, we left Afghans with SIVs and at-risk, vulnerable, most vulnerable Afghans behind as well. But, oh, this is a new Taliban. This is the, this is the new Taliban. They're, they're woke now. They're woke. We, no, we don't trust them, but we're relying on them to allow us to get safe passage for the people we need to get out of the country. And then the 831 deadline passes and a week goes by and we're hearing reports of good old Taliban back doing what they do, beating women, taking women out of school, not allowing music to be played, not allowing entertainment to happen, going door to door and killing people who helped the United States in that 20-year war. But they're sitting in front of the TV, the Taliban leadership Saying, oh no, we're 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 playing nice. Yep. Well, it took a week until today to finally get the first group of Americans out of Afghanistan that didn't get out when the 831 deadline went by. So eight full days, almost nine days went by before getting the first batch of Americans out. Way to go, State Department. Way to go. So what's going to happen? Well, I guess we have to continue to rely on the Taliban. We're at their mercy. We don't, all we have are drones we can send from about, I think it's around 800 miles away. That's it. That's our quote, over the horizon capabilities. We don't have any troops on the ground, nothing. We have to rely on the Taliban. This is basically a hostage situation. Hostage definitely for these first eight to nine days before the first batch got out. You still have private citizens and private groups here in the United States working to get people out. But being told by the State Department that they can't land their planes. And being told by the Taliban that they won't, aren't allowed to take off. Don't have the correct paperwork. And then this administration believes so much in the Taliban being new. That they've evolved and you know are up to date on what, what's expected of diversity in 2021 we said that we were the united states was 
sad to see that the leadership of the Taliban did not include any women. Well, duh. What do you think? They're not going to include women. Are you stupid? Yeah. And who's on this, the top leadership of the Taliban? Terrorists. Yes. Literal terrorists who we had in Guantanamo Bay that we gave in exchange for Bo Bergdahl, the deserter, under the Obama administration. Well, now they're in power. Now they're in leadership, like the defense of their, or the minister of defense. They have to be more British. It's crazy. And a couple of them are on the FBI terrorism list with five to $10 million bounties on their head. And we're, we're just cool. We're just going to trust them. Trust them to let our people out. <laughs> I hope they do let our people out. Because if not, I don't want anything bad to happen to any of our citizens or any of the Afghans who helped us. But the Taliban, if they wanted to, could flip the switch and truly make this a hostage situation. And who knows how much money or what we're doing behind the scenes to have the Taliban, quote, play nice. Our tax dollars, not to mention. But also, during the whole withdrawal, it led to the death of 13 U.S. troops, service members. And around 200 Afghan civilians dying. Around 170, I believe the total was, for the suicide bomber that killed our 13 service members. Who we will remember on September 11th, along with the 3,000 that died due to al-Qaeda on September 11th, 2001. And then there were additional Afghan civilians that died when we drone striked a suicide bomber or a car bomb. And then the subsequent blast from the bomb of the car was in a civilian area and killed multiple civilians. So our withdrawal that we know about has led to around 200 deaths, 13 of which our own. And none of that had to happen. You can go back and listen to those two episodes about Afghanistan. None of that had to happen. Complete blunder and terrible decision-making by Biden and his administration. And then now that we're past that withdrawal date, and again, September 11th is this Saturday, 20-year anniversary commemoration, the focus is supposed to be on the United States remembering those who lost their lives on September 11th, those who firefighters and first responders who responded to the Twin Towers, who have died in the years since then due to the smoke and other things that they inhaled trying to save all those lives. And then also remembering the troops, the two to 3,000 troops, I believe it is, that have died fighting this war in Afghanistan as a result of September 11th, that's where our focus should be. But the ultimate troll is happening also on September 11th. The new Taliban Afghan government is formally recognizing ceremoniously their new leadership, their government, on September 11th. This withdrawal led to death and a embarrassment on the world stage. We lost credibility with our allies, which who knows how long that is going to 
haunt us for? And then on the day of days, this Saturday, September 11th, when all eyes foreign and domestic should be on the United States as we commemorate the lives lost in this war on terror. There will be a second broadcast coming from Afghanistan, from the Taliban, the same individuals that led to September 11th, 2001. Talk about a slap in the face of all those who gave their lives for this war on terror in Afghanistan. Instead of it being about us and winning this war physically in Afghanistan and then continuing the war against terror around the world, polls show that Americans feel less safe. And I pray to God that nothing actually happens, no destruction, no attacks on September 11th. I pray that it truly is a day where Americans just focus on what's happening in our country and that our intelligence is keeping us safe abroad and that we will not pay any more attention to what the Taliban is doing on Saturday. I can tell you though that to me this looks like a complete failure, the withdrawal, and that Biden's first eight months has been a disaster. Everything, I didn't even mention the border the open border, the open southern border. Add that to the list of things that have gone wrong, or not wrong, but intentional, for the Biden presidency. We're eight months in. That's one-sixth of the way through. I don't know if we can go any lower. Probably can. I don't want to experience that. But for all of you who were duped, allowed yourselves to be duped, and voted for Trump in 2016 and then changed your vote to Biden in 2020 because you made any like an emotional decision and didn't like some of the things Trump said, but didn't focus on the policies of what he did. And you helped put Biden into the white house. Shame on you because look where we are. All right. That's it for this episode. Remember to subscribe and engage with me on Instagram at counter underscore thought on Twitter at counter underscore podcast and on the counter thought podcast page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to counter thought. 